Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Monica T., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And today is January, Friday, the 29th, 2016. And today we are reading from the big book. We are in the chapter, There is a Solution. We are on page 26. We will be be starting with the first paragraph, A Certain American Businessman. And today's readers are the 12 Steps, Mary H., 12 Traditions, Phoebe B., and then our text readers are Kathleen W., Terry H., Lisa H., and our newcomer greeter today is Deb W. The share ID for yesterday, Thursday, the 28th day of January 2016, is 8417, 8417. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous, is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states every group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Mary H. if she will read the 12 steps for us, please. Good morning. This is Mary in Connecticut. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me do service. Thank you, Mary H. I will now ask Phoebe B. 
to read the 12 traditions for us. Good morning. This is CBB, Compulsive Overeater in Vermont. Thank you, Monica, for your service. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. The only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personalities pass. Thank you, Phoebe. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask to keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinent requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinent requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that you share and be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. And once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we're resuming our study of the big book. We are in the chapter, There is a Solution. We are on page 26, and we will be beginning with the first paragraph, A Certain American Businessman. And I will ask Kathleen W. if she would read for us, please. Good morning. This is Kathleen W. from Phoenix, Arizona. Can you hear me okay, Monica? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. A certain American businessman had ability, good sense, and high character. For years, he had floundered from one sanitarium to another. He had consulted the best-known American psychiatrist. Then he had gone to Europe, placed himself in the care of a celebrated physician, the psychiatrist Dr. Dr. Young, 
to prescribe for him. Though experience had made him skeptical, skeptical, he finished his treatment with unusual confidence. His physical and mental condition were usually good. Above all, he believed he had acquired such a profound knowledge of the inner workings of his mind and its hidden springs that relapse was unthinkable. Nevertheless, he was drunk in a short time. More baffling still, he could give himself no satisfactory explanation for his fall. And um, so I um, have a history of being in and out of relapse over the years since I was 22. And um, a few years ago, I was coming out of relapse and I started working with a um, recovered or non-recovered um, sponsor. And we went through the steps and then I just stopped working the steps and I didn't continue working them. And um, I I finished my treatment with unusual confidence. And I thought that... Um, my mental condition was unusually good, I thought. And I thought that I could just, um, you know, I could just, I had my inner workings of my mind. And I thought that relapse was unthinkable. But then I, once again, I, I fell back into relapse. And I really didn't understand what was wrong with me. So, um, you know, so what I had to do was, um, I had to continue, you know, really um, work this book like my life depended on it. And um, I've been doing that ever since. And it has just been a miracle in my life. And I just know that um, this is the only thing that has worked for me. And I have to live my life um, connected to the program and working the steps and working with others and trusting and relying on my higher power which I choose to call God, and I can live um, a beautiful life today, which I do, and I'm just very grateful for that. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Kathleen W. And who would like to share on this paragraph? MJ. Kim. This Nessa. is Bella. Can I share? Bella, gotcha. Nessa R. Yeah, I gotcha. Nessa R. I got Kim G, Nessa, Bella. Anybody else? Katie, Suzanne K. Suzanne K. Your phone is really breaking up. Okay. Tina S. Tina Tina S. Katie F. Katie F. I got you, Katie. Okay. Thank okay. You. So this is what I've got. I've got Kim, Nessa, Bella, Katie F. Susan K. Tina S. So Kim G. You're up, and then Nessa. Good morning, Monica. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. Above all, he believed he had acquired such a profound knowledge of the inner workings of his mind and its hidden springs that relapse was unthinkable. Nevertheless, he was drunk in a short time. And this is Roland Hazard that we're going to be learning about, and I love Roland Hazard. And the reason I love Roland Hazard is because he busts a lot of my delusions. You know, just to put this in context, this is during the Great Depression, okay? There's a 25% unemployment rate. People are waiting in bread lines. And Roland comes from money, old money, political money. He has access to everything. 
And his parents love him. And they actually took all the psychiatrists in the, in the country and exhausted them. And they had him go live with the, one of the preeminent um, psychologists in the world. Not just get a consultation, but live with him for a year in Switzerland. And the reason I love that is because I always thought, you know, the reason I can't stay abstinent is because I'm not properly financed. You know, if I had a personal chef, I would be able to stay abstinent. If I had a personal trainer, I mean, come on, if I got on The Biggest Loser and had Dolvet as a trainer, I could stay abstinent. You know, I was, my big uh, uh, disease exploded in the 90s. If I can get in that Dr. Phil house and Dr. Phil could figure me out, I would be okay. You know, if I had different parents, if I was popular in high school, it would have been okay. If I can get that right boyfriend. And here, he had access to everything. You know, and it talks about the inner workings of our mind. We have a lot of smart compulsive overeaters and overeaters anonymous. I was a smart compulsive overeater. I read all the books about addiction. I read all the books about nutrition. And yet, with all that inner workings in my mind, I would be drunk in a short time. I would be picking up again. You know, I just want to share, I remember this is a few months ago. I'm in my home group, and I was just really struck with something. Because I'm sitting there, and the leader of the group is the chiropractor, to my left is a lawyer. To the right is a nurse practitioner. I have an OBGYN who teaches at medical school across from me, and he's a couple seats away from a college professor. Lack of intellect is not our problem, and that's what I was thinking. If I can get smart enough, if I can get enough knowledge, if I can get enough, enough human aid around me, then I'm not going to pick up. And we're going to see here, Roland had access to everything understood the inner workings of his mind, and yet he get drunk again. If that is your reality, the way it was my reality, we're going to be led to a very powerful sentence in, on page 45. It is not about the outside world. Lack of power is my dilemma. And if lack of power is my dilemma, I'm going to need to find a power greater than myself. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. Nessa R., you're up, and then it'll be Bella G. Hi, good morning. This is Nessa R., um, recovered in Toronto, Canada. Um, you know, I think what they're trying to do now with the story is to show us um, how um, step two works. Um, going back to just the previous paragraph that we read, read yesterday, and of course, the ones that are going to follow, especially um, on page 27, um, you know, this is what I call the step two decision. And um, I make, we all make those decisions multiple times a day, dozens, if not more times a day, where, you know, I, I, I have two higher powers. One is God and the other one is the food, but I can only serve one master. Either the food is, either God is everything or the food is everything. And every decision that I make throughout my day um, brings me either closer to God or it brings me closer to the food. And it doesn't even have to do with um, decisions about the food itself, like, you know, am I going to weigh and measure my food? Am I going to eat a snack even though I don't get to have a snack? Um, those decisions are obvious. But there's other decisions throughout the day, like, you know, uh, am I going to sleep in and cut short on my time for prayer and meditation? Am I going to choose to you know, scream at my kids and not instead of doing a step 10 
or am I having screamed at my kids? Am I going to choose to not apologize and just sit there in, you know, self-righteous indignation? Um, you know, multiple, multiple times a day, I make those decisions that are, there are just two decisions. Am I moving closer to God or am I moving closer to the food? And, you know, here, you know, Dr. Dr. Young is going to explain to Roland Hazard a little bit later on, you know, about those, about, about those decisions. You know, everything that, that we do um, has, you know, very, everything that we decide has very serious implications because it drives our actions. Um, and as I said, I uh, can't say it, you know, um, enough. Either um, I'm moving closer to God or I am moving closer to the food, but I'm not, I'm not staying still. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nessa R. Bella G. You're up, and then it'll be Katie F. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Bella G, and I am a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Monica, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. No satisfactory explanation. Yes, it sounds very, very familiar to me. You know, before the program, I tried so many ways and so many things to lose weight. And it came to my mind, one of my ways, I went to a wonderful nutritionist, very non-good nutritionist, and she was really wonderful. She really understood me, and she gave me ideas. I paid her a lot of money, and this time I was sure that's it. It's going to work. She is so wonderful, and she really understands me, and she gives she gives me wonderful ideas. And I promise to myself and to the whole entire world that this time you will see I will keep my weight down. Unfortunately, it didn't work, and not that I didn't keep the weight down. I just gained. Triple, and I didn't. I couldn't explain why. I just believe that I am a failure, that I don't have a willpower. I am not like the other people, and I believed. Yes, I believed I am a failure, and you know this is my problem, and this is my fault, and I I lived in a blame and judge. And like Kim said, yes, I wanted so much the power, and the power was running away from me, and it was miserable. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Now I know, I, I know that the power, my real power is to be connected to a higher power, to a higher power than myself, a, a, a loving and accepting power. And yes, today I know it's nothing to do with my willpower because I do not have, I am powerless. And therefore, I am connected to my higher power that respects me and loves me and trusts me. Thank you for letting me share and I pass. Thank you, Bella G. Katie F., you're up, and then it'll be Susan K. Good morning. This is Katie Upper, recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. 
And this line, above all, he believed he had acquired such a profound knowledge of the inner workings of his mind and its hidden springs that relapse was unthinkable. Nevertheless, he was drunk in a short time. And, you know, I just look at this, and, and it seems like he only um, had gotten a lot of knowledge, which, of course, we've talked about. Other people have shared about that, that knowledge avails us nothing. But it's so hard to really believe that. It's so hard to say, to not think that I know better. And, you know, I know better about a lot of things, and I still can um, can fall into, you know, doing the wrong thing. Um, not with my food, thank God, not with uh, any other substance, but with, um, am I perfect? No. Um, so the thing is, is that uh, at the, on, in more about alcoholism, it says at the bottom of page 43, once more the alcoholic at certain times has no effective mental defense against the first drink except in a few rare cases, neither he nor any other human being can provide such a defense. His defense must come from a higher power. So it's, it's the opposite of what it's talking about here. Um, knowing the inner workings of my mind gave me absolutely nothing. It's, it, it didn't help me one bit. So the person um, who is on this line this morning and knows nothing about what we're talking about, that's fine. It doesn't matter. You don't have to have a um, degree in nutrition and, uh, you know, be able to uh, recite, you know, chapter and verse from the religion of your choice. All you have to have is a degree of willingness and open-mindedness to do something different, to step out of your comfort zone of um, doing things the way I've always done them. I'll keep it in, you know, the first person. This is what I have to do on a daily basis is be willing to say, I don't know. You know, I, I've got young adult children now. I've got one last teenager. And, you know, it's a lot harder than I thought. And so I can't just keep saying, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I know, I know, I know. I need to do this. I need to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I have to call people and say, you know what? I don't know how to navigate this. And that's what I have to do with every area of my life because when I thought I knew it all and I had all the answers, it got me face down in the food every time. So the lack of power is our dilemma. And that's the one thing that, you know, Roland Hazard, I don't know all the, you know, history of him and everything, but it seems like he must not have realized that lack of power was his dilemma because he got back into the food. Or the alcohol. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Katie F. Susan K., you're up, and then it'll be Tina S. Suzanne K., you hear me okay? Well, you're still breaking up, Suzanne. Go ahead and let's try. Hang on one second. Okay. Suzanne Kay from New Jersey. That's better. Um, thank you so much. I was driving before. Um, so um, I we're still not hearing you, here. Suzanne. We're still not hearing you, Suzanne. Still you're you're breaking up. I think we need to pass, Suzanne. Maybe you can try again. Tina S., could you come in, please? 
Sure. Thanks, Monica. Tina S., compulsive eater, anorexic from Florida. Um, what a great paragraph. Uh, you know, one of the, the biggest things that I got from this was that Roland Hazard was a great messenger, but he was not a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. And, you know, thank you, God, for his uh, treatment with Dr. Jung. And, you know, one of the things that struck for me today is that in my compulsive eating, you know, um, I had a, a head full of knowledge and a belly full of food. You know, that's just the truth because the problem centers for me in my mind. And and lack of power is my dilemma. So if Tina's in charge, you know, Tina's screwed. And uh, I never got an answer that way. And one of the things that happened for me since this is my experience is that, you know, since overeating didn't solve my problem, I thought not eating would. And, you know, so then I became anorexic. And I was 94 pounds. And the blessing from that was that I, like... Uh, very few others that I know, I could not think, you know. And so I couldn't get any knowledge anywhere. All I could do was follow somebody else because I felt so lost. And uh, and I couldn't think for myself. And in my mind, I would think, oh, God, I've never been like this. Because one of my greatest assets was my intellect, you know, not so much. But, um, you know, it brought me to my knees. And it brought me to a power greater than myself. And, um, you know, what a great experience it is to know that, you know, and I, I was reading with uh, someone in the big book last night, you know, self-knowledge got us no place. You know, it got us back into the food, and that's exactly what it talks about. It says, more baffling still, he could give himself no satisfactory explanation for his fail, for his fall. And that's just the truth. After all this knowledge, you know, and then when I'd be back into the food, I'd be like, okay, so what happened with all this? You know, until I became um, into a place of complete uh, surrender I wasn't able to do anything and, and actually I didn't do anything God did for me what I could not do for myself so with that I'll pass and thanks thank you Tina Tina S <laughs> would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph before we move on Sally I heard Sally I heard do Mary Kay Rachel W Rachel, I'm just writing here. Did you hear Melissa? Please. No, I did not. I go, hey, Melissa, I got you. Thank All right, you. this is what I got, everybody. <laughs> I got Sally, Duell, Mary Kay, Kathy Kay, Vasa O, Rachel W, and Melissa C. So, Sally, you're up, and then it'll be due. Thank you. Thank you, Monica, for your service this morning, and thank you um, for giving me the opportunity to share on this progress. Sally A. recovered in South Jersey. And, um, you know, this is just interesting. I've, I've read the story so many times, and some things that hit me this morning a little bit differently than in the past is that, first of all, that this guy, Roland Hazard, is really a high-functioning uh, alcoholic. He's, a, he's really a high bottom here. They're telling us that above all, well, I'm sorry, just before that, his physical and mental condition were unusually good. And that really struck me because I remember when my physical and mental condition was unusually good and I was in this program, you know, with years of abstinence and but not recovered. And I remember that I, you know, I thought everything was okay. And this guy, with his physical and mental condition unusually good, recognizes something is very wrong with me, which speaks volumes to me because I did not think that anything was wrong with me when I was abstinent and I was a dry drunk because I was not recovered. I did not understand 
the importance of the 12 steps and developing a relationship with my higher power, my God. And so he goes on to say, you know, of course we know he had this geographic cure. He's a wealthy man, this man, and he can't get well in America. He's consulted the best-known American psychiatrist, so he's going to use the geographic cure. He went to Europe, and he goes to the best of the best. He wants to see Freud, but Freud hasn't got time and can't see him, so he sees Freud's protege, Dr. Carl Jung. And interestingly, the wording that he uses in this paragraph I find so interesting as a psych nurse. He says, above all, he believed he had acquired such a profound knowledge of the inner working of his mind and its hidden springs. This is interesting to me because, as many of you may know, at the top of your spinal cord are these four ventricles that bathe your brain. The four ventricles. And here he's using this verbiage of the inner workings of his mind and its hidden springs. That relapse was unthinkable. So this guy, he's, he's really a bright man. His bottom is, is pretty high. He's physically and mentally in good condition. And nevertheless, after spending a year with Carl Jung, he gets drunk again on the way to the boat. And he's more baffled than ever because he thinks he knows so much. And it's interesting because here we are learning, right? Isn't that why we're here? We're all, we all want to learn. We all want to grow. We all want to gain some sense of knowledge. But the truth of the matter is that at the top of the page, we did because we honestly wanted to and were willing to make an effort. So there is a, we do have a part to play. In our recovery, yes, we must have, we must walk hand in hand, as the book tells us, we must walk hand in hand with our higher power. And it's my higher power that's going to give me time. Relief. Thank you, Monica. It's my higher power that will give me relief from this illness. But ultimately, I have to cooperate with my higher power. Thanks for letting me share with that I pass. Thank you, Sally A. Do L. You're up, and then it'll be Mary Kay. Did you call on me, Monica? I sure did, Do Hi. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Good morning. This is Do um, L, a uh, recovered compulsive overeater, and so grateful to be here. Um, yeah, what I see here is um, Roland Hazard being this American businessman. And if you know anything about Roland Hazard, he was into investment banking. He came from a well-to-do family. He earned about 5 to $10 million dollars what we would term today $5 million a year. And um, he was of good sense and high character, but he was also manifesting the symptoms, you know, that we all manifest as as addicts, right? Um, he was manifesting the unmanageability already. He was uh, manifesting the unmanageability with his drinking. And it said that he flandered from one sanitarium to another. So he was looking for a cure. He was looking for something that could relieve his alcoholism, and he didn't know what that was. And so he went around to all these doctors, and he couldn't, he couldn't get relief. So he decided to go to Europe and consult one of the best psychiatrists, which was Dr. Young. Little did he know that Dr. Young would be the light in his life that would bring about the solution for him. 
But, you know, at the time, he didn't know that. You know, he went to Dr. Young, and he felt like all of us, when we come into program, you know, we get a little relief. We get to know a little bit about the big book. We get a food plan, and all of a sudden, we start feeling better, so everything must be okay. You know, everything must be fine. And um, all of a sudden, you know, we get this grandiose idea because we have the mental obsession, which leads us into faulty thinking, leads us into the lies and justifications and excuses, to thinking that we can handle it, that this time will be different, that this time I can manage it. And, um, you know, he says that above all, he believes he acquired profound knowledge in the inner workings of his mind, but in a short time, he was drunk again, you know. So what happened? What happened that self-knowledge did not work, you know, and what he's going to find out is that, you know, this baffling, still powerful experience was not a satisfactory explanation for him. He did not know what was going on with him. He did not have what Dr. Silkworth um, gave as a description, which is a physical and mental problem. Um, but he's going to find out that it's a little bit more than that, right? Like when we address the mind, it has to be addressed through a spiritual solution. It has to be addressed through this connectiveness to a higher power. And that's what Dr. Young is going to develop for him. He's going to explain that to him. But it's going to take him another year before he gets that solution. Another year of being miserable in his own stuff. And um, I'm so glad that we're here and, um, and that we're going to develop this, these paragraphs. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Do. Mary Kay, you're up, and then it'll be Kathy Kay. Good morning, Monica, and thank you so much for your service. Thank you for everyone on the line. My name is Mary Kay. I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater just for today, not cured, of course. Um, and what I hear in this paragraph is actually just something that was said to me yesterday by a person who doesn't have an issue with food. Um, she's, people are starting to notice the, the physical changes in me um, that takes a while when you have as much to release as, as I do um, and 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 my sponsors remind me it's not about the exterior change as much as it is about the interior the spiritual change the um, but other people don't get all that and and she said oh my gosh she said you're looking great you know how much have you lost and 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 um, and she said yep you just have to put your mind to it don't you <laughs> And I just stopped and I paused and I said, I said, thank you, I'm grateful for where I am today. Because it was, would be pointless to try to explain to her. Because, so not only do we tell ourselves that we can do it, but other people around us tell us that it's up, you know, that you can, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it. And, uh, and we know better, don't we? we? We've certainly learned through these pages. And just this morning, um, you know, this is, this is uh, really all new to me. I've only uh, been in recovery since June 7th of 2015. And um, the, so this, this is the first time with this depth of study through this book. I, I went through it with my sponsor in a reading process, but not with this depth of wealth of knowledge. And, and now I've written down Roland Hazard's name because I didn't know that before this morning. So thank you. Thank you for the learnings in this room. Everybody have a wonderful, absent day, and I pass. Thank you, Mary Kay. K, 
Kathy Kay, you're up, and then it'll be Vasa all. Thank you, Monica, for your service, and thanks, everyone, for being here. Kathy Kay recovered in Boston. Um, this, the sentence that really stands out for me, above all, he believed he had acquired such a profound knowledge of the inner workings of his mind um, and its hidden springs that relapse was unthinkable. You know, before I even got to the rooms 22 years ago, I had been in therapy several times and continued to do therapy on and off, in and out of relapse, and really thought that my self-knowledge was so deep that um, I'd be able to tackle this disease. Um, And, of course, uh, that never came to pass. Um, But I have to say today, as we read this and we discuss it, um, I, I, I can see how clearly my own bias towards the intellect and to the scientific method of which I had been so deeply trained throughout my life and schooling, that the idea of relying on a higher power just was so difficult and out of reach for me. Um, and I, I think I assumed that if I, keep, if I kept uh, going to professionals um, and really worked at applying the suggestions made to me that I would surmount my problem with food. And I'm just so grateful today that the big book and my work through step one especially um, helped me to let go of those deeply ingrained beliefs about what would enable me to become abstinent and to live in recovery. Um, And this story really does and with the uh, clear revelation that it was not all the knowledge or the money or the professional help, but it was a relationship with God that really enables us to recover. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kathy Kay. Vasa O, you're up, and then it'll be Rachel W. Thank you, Monica, for your service. I'm... I'm grateful, recovered compulsive reader calling from um, from Florida, and thank you for everybody for being here, and thank you for all of your shares. And I love the story of Roland Hazard's. Uh, he was how he was very successful businessman, but when it came to the alcohol, he could not put it down. And I could I could identify my I could identify with him. No, I was very successful in many areas of my life, you know, but I struggled with the food addiction for many years, 25 years, and I I had uh, all kind of knowledge how to put it down. I just couldn't keep it down, you know. Uh, but I I just I didn't know I didn't understand about the allergy. I didn't understand the obsession, the mental obsession. Well, I knew I had a mental obsession, but I don't know I don't know why I could I don't know why I couldn't put down, could keep it down, and uh, uh, again, for me, is to, you know, I needed to find a higher power, greater power than myself to help me, and I was just so ready and willing to do that, and I just thank God for bringing me to OA and the 12 steps, and somebody just gave me this big book, 
And the solution was, see, it was just amazing. I was just so shocked. I was reading, you know, from the beginning. I, you know, I could not wait to even read the stories after that. I could identify. No, I, I hadn't lost everything yet. Like, I was saying, well, I'm not an alcoholic. Well, my sponsor said, well, just, you know, maybe you hadn't lost everything. But I've heard, you know, in OA, people have lost, you know, life, have lost families. Uh, husbands, so it's a miracle that I found this program, and I'm just so grateful to be here with all of you, and just to share my experience, strength, and hope. And if I found a hope, it, believe me, it's here. It's for anybody that wants to put the food down. Just take that action, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa O. Rachel W., you're up, and then it'll be Melissa C. Good morning, Monica. This is Rachel W., Recover Compulsive Reader Recovering, also from a little bit of a, a sore throat, but I hope I get through this. Um, but I did want to share um, about the sentence um, that um, he believed he'd acquired such a profound knowledge of the inner workings of his mind and its hidden springs that relapse was unthinkable. And when I think about knowledge, um, you know, just last night I, I was uh, driving from New Jersey um, through New York, and I was um, I, I was using my app, you know, for GPS, and I came to a, a, a point in the road where I was supposed to go straight and then catch the 87. And um, when I when I needed to go straight, I come to a sign and it says road closed, so I couldn't go that way. And apparently the GPS didn't know. And I thought to myself, okay, God, you know, I need to sit here, hazard lights, pause a little bit, and just figure out like where am I really? Which way do I live, you know, north or south? I had another road to choose from. So finally, um, I sat and I made the decision. I said, you know what, I believe I live north of here. So I just made that, made that decision, and I turned to go towards, the nor- towards north, and soon enough I saw that beautiful sign for the Bear Mountain turnabout. I said, great, I'm on the way home. And um, that's knowledge, you know, and that's knowledge, and that's based, using things based on what I know. Yes, I have clarity today. Because of my abstinence, I can pause, I can think. But the knowledge that I was trying to use, that like that same knowledge in terms of explaining my relapse, that was a state of unmanageability that cannot be described. I mean, I was, I didn't understand. How could I not know this? You know, how could I not know better? And um, and um, and I, I just want to say that you know, it, it wasn't about what I knew. It was about how how much I could let go of of my knowledge, and 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 also the knowledge that what I came to understand um, was that relapse isn't a destination. It's a sign. You know, a relapse is a sign that something's very off. I'm going through something emotional that I can't handle, and because I'm a food addict, I'm eating. I have two choices when I go through stuff. Either I'm eating or I'm working my steps. It's that simple. So my program is very much based on taking the drama out of my disease and not contemplating why, 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 but rather look at the facts. It wouldn't make sense for me not to be eating if I was going through something difficult, you know, only if I'm working the steps, then it makes sense. And so I know today I have those two options in front of me, those two roads in front of me. I'm sorry, my timer just kicked, it went off, but it's, I mean, it's not working, but um, I'll just end with that and say that um, I'm just so grateful today to know that, you know, when I need to use my knowledge and also the knowledge to say, I don't know, and this is where I need to be because I don't know. So thank you for allowing me to share. I hope that wasn't over time. 
Thank you, Rachel W. No, you were then. And Melissa C., you're up, and then we will be moving on. Thank you. Hi. Good morning, Monica. Good morning, everyone. It's Melissa C., a recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, you know, I'm just, I love listening to this meeting because I'm learning so much, and there's nothing more exciting to me than learning, you know. Um, my mind is open, and um, and so I just really listen and hear today. Um, you know, and so with that said, how much I love to learn, learning about myself um, isn't enough to solve my dilemma. And, um, you know, and I thought, I really thought for a long time that it was, that, you know, surely I knew about the, the nature of my disease. Um, and, and so out of that, I was able to week, some amount of time of abstinence because, well, I know I can't eat these foods. So if I know it, um, surely that should give me the ability to just not eat them. You know, it's like when I when I focused on the food being the problem and the solution, um, that was that was like a, a synthetic kind of um a, a synthetic kind of cure. You know, knowing my problem doesn't solve my problem. If I go to the doctor and he tells me I have high blood pressure and then I leave and never follow through with the treatment, um, you know, knowing I've had that high blood pressure doesn't do anything. And it, it's been the same way with this program. Um, I, yeah, I've had a beautiful opportunity of learning about myself, but that's not enough. Now I need the solution. And so Every diet I tried um, gave me more nutritional knowledge, and yet it never gave me the power to abide by that knowledge. And what was missing was my higher power. And, you know, my um, I was prejudiced against that. I really thought that the answer was intellect, was more knowledge, more knowledge, more knowledge, and that, you know, reliance on some spirit was hokey was like some something for other people. But thank God for desperation and pain because um, it did beat me into a state of reasonableness. And then I became willing to, um, you know, to lay aside what I knew about myself and be teachable. Thank you. That all that. Thank you, Melissa C. And we're going to move on and read the next two paragraphs. And Terry H., could you read for us, please? Yes, good morning, everyone. My name is Terry H. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maine. So we returned to this doctor, whom he admired, and asked him point blank why he could not recover. He wished above all things to regain self-control. He seemed quite rational and well-balanced with respect to other problems, yet he had no control whatever over alcohol. Why was this? He begged the doctor to tell him the whole truth, and he got it. In the doctor's judgment, he was utterly hopeless. He could never regain his position in society, and he would have to place himself under lock and key or hire a bodyguard if he expected to live long. That was a great physician's opinion. And, um, you know, I, too, love Rowan H., um, and I also love Dr. Young because, you know, he's here he is, you know, um, Rowan, I kind of chuckle at Rowan because, you know, he's very wealthy, and, you know, he doesn't just pick up the phone and call, Dr. Young, you know, he actually goes back to back to Europe and 
you know, I see Roland here, you know, hitting the bottom. You know, he's begging the doctor to tell him the whole truth. And I always look at the whole truth, nothing but the truth, you know. And um, so the doctor here, you know, he's he's practicing. He's another doctor with humility, saying, telling Roland hazardous that, you know, he doesn't, he can't help him. You know, he tells him to go home, go back to America. And, um, you know, the story goes, you know, he tells him to go back to America and, um, you know, uh, to get some sort of, uh, you know, religious religious going for himself. And that's when, you know, Rowan H., he goes back to America and uh, uh, he go, he gets attached to the, the Oxford group and, you know, he practices the six tenets. And, you know, so I just, I see, you know, uh, where Dr. Dr. Silkworth, you know, gave us the first piece, which was step one, you know, the allergy of the body and, you know, Rowan H., with the help of Dr. Young, you know, gave us, uh, you know, step two, which was a spiritual solution. And, you know, I can so identify in with Rowan, you know, my favorite line here is, he wished above all things to regain self-control. And anytime it starts with self, that's human aid. And, um, you know, I always say, I, I think it, I thought it, I did it. Not good. And um, that line right there is definitely the definition of insanity. Because if you have what I have, the allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind, it's never going to happen. So I had to ask myself, what is my truth? You know, is my truth that I always believe the lie and run smack into the truth? Or what is my truth today? So I'm grateful to be here, um, recovered one day at a time. Thanks for letting me share. And I'll pass. Thank you, Terry H. And we're only going to have time for two, maybe three shares. So who would like to comment? Quality. Leah M. Paula, Leah. Okay, let's go with that, and and then we'll see if we have time for a third one. Paula, you're up. And thank you, Monica, and thank you for your service today. Happy to be here. This is Paula in Florida, currently recovered by and with the grace of God. Talk about the grace of God, these paragraphs here. You know, as we read them, yet he had no control. And that yet, ooh, was that yet. You notice it's capitalized. I bet it was. He had no control, whatever, over alcohol. Why was this? That question that he spent so much time with Carl Young, and yet he comes away. Why was this? And I'll tell you, I love this part. He begged the doctor. You know, I've often begged, but I really didn't want to hear an answer. And Lottie knows I sure wouldn't want to hear this one. Tell him the whole truth. The whole truth? Well, you know, part maybe I could take, but he got both barrels here. This guy held nothing back. Well, you talk about the courage. You know, most doctors, I have to say, they pussy put around sometimes. Or maybe that's what I hear. But he heard the whole truth here. He was hopeless. He was hopeless. I love the end. He would have to place himself under lock and key. He already was. He already was. He was talking about a physical realm, but we know more than most. It was already there. It was in his mind. That was the great physician's opinion. And then we go on. Thank you for allowing me this time to share. That I do pass. Thank you, Paula D. Leah M., you're up. Thank you so much, Monica, for your service. Uh, Why was this? You know, that was a great physician's opinion. Um, Just 
great stuff in these paragraphs. I mean, even Carl Jung, you know, one of the uh, preeminent uh, psychiatrists of that time, admits his limitations. You know, because science and medicine stood powerless before the alcoholic obsession. And, uh, you know, it levels everybody's pride. You know, and we see that today, perhaps, in our society, you know, with all the obesity and, you know, we have these brilliant minds. But, uh, you know, addiction is not about, um, you know, being cured through uh, intellect, uh, through self-knowledge. I mean, that is a recurrent big book theme here, that self-knowledge, even knowledge of the illness. We have a lot of people that are very loyal listeners here. Even knowledge about the illness does not provide an adequate defense against the first bite or for Roland's uh, case, the first drink. I mean, he had all the money, he had all the resources, um, but, you know, he got in the boxing ring every time with the obsession of the mind and every time he lost because you cannot buy God. <laughs> you cannot buy a spiritual experience. And it's not something to figure out intellectually. You know, we don't have, I know I sat on a couch, you know, for five years prior uh, to the recovery process uh, trying to figure out with the help of someone in that field, how did I get to be a compulsive over eater but you know what this is not about medical science and this is not about psychology for a real alcoholic or a real compulsive overeater this is not about Freudian concepts I didn't have the time to figure out uh, how I got to be a compulsive overeater because I was dying during the investigation <laughs> this disease continued to progress because recovery from this addiction um, is about transcending the intellect because once the intellect and the ego is fired uh, through the deflation of the 12-step process, um, it's replaced by a different guide, submission to a higher power. Only when the ego and the intellect are dethroned can a higher power, at least that was for me, a higher power, God, could rule my life. Um, because freedom wasn't going to be free. It was going to, there was a price to be paid. And the, the price, just like Roland had to learn, and thank God, out of all the con contributions that Roland and his family made in industry and philanthropic activities, none, <laughs> perhaps, had the more far-reaching impact than Roland's eventual uh, recovery and his 12-step call to Ebby. And for that, I'm very, very grateful today. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah, and thank you to everyone who has shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing here this morning. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Lisa H., could you read for us, please, from A Vision for You? Thank you, Monica. Good morning. This is Lisa H., gratefully recovered from Memphis. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right 
and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then, pass.